You're listening to TWN Champions, episode number five, Rangers. Champions, arise! Welcome to the Champions Countdown Podcast, where we summon heroes from across space and time to populate our intergalactic museum, or something like that. This is episode number five. I'm Will, and with me is Rebecca, who used her wilderness skills to pick up the trail. And when we asked her how she found the trail, she said, I can smell ya! <laughs> I thought you could say candy wrappers or something. <laughs> <laughs> smell. I didn't think about smell. I was thinking about tracks or... Oh, well, yeah. Smells good. Look, I'm, a, I'm an amateur ranger enthusiast, and I just go by what I smell. Like, when you go outside and you can smell China House from our yeah, house. Yeah, really good. And you're like, ooh, what are they cooking right now? It smells good. When we did used to go camping, I used to, uh, when I first used deodorant, I used Brute Essence of Man. So that's probably <laughs> what you were smelling. <laughs> <laughs> right. Every every 13-year-old definitely has that Essence of Man. That is such a bummer about yeah, like what we do with like with young men for yeah. like Christmas presents or yeah. whatever. From what I understand, there's like a big tradition where it's like you can't get any more action figures. You got to grow up. So here's yeah. some old spice, and we're gonna age you about forty five years <laughs> and wear this because everyone loves a thirteen year old that smells like grandpa's sock drawer. <laughs> I think I got I think I got deodorant and I got offered a, a gold necklace. Yeah, you're, like, the, your gold man yeah, chain. Yeah, to, I'm, to you're, be a man. you're thirteen. You're a man now you're going camping you're gonna need you're gonna need that for when you canoe across the lake for the girl dance or whatever (laughs) they'll love it well back to modern times what's going what's going on now rebecca catch us up with your world that i'm usually a part of okay i'm gonna wait for the dog to slowly cross slowly get in your bed buddy buddy. lay down there we go i knew he was going to plop Okay. That's pretty much what's happening with our life. That's pretty much it. So so my news is that I, yesterday, ordered some Halloween hand soaps because if we can't enjoy living in COVID times, we should at least, you know, get the most joy that we can out of it. And which so. Halloween monsters do we get? Okay, so I, I don't even remember the names because it was from Bath and Body Works. So it's like, you know, they got all these different flavors yeah. and it's, it's called a flavor. You don't eat them, but it's a flavor. Uh-huh. And I remember Vampire's Blood. Like, okay, so that's red. Yes. Okay. And I'm like, look, I know this is overpriced and this is ridiculous and you could never get me to set foot inside a Bath and Body Works, but I'm only human and I cannot yeah. resist a soap called Vampire Blood. So like that one, like... It's called like trick or treat. I don't freaking know. I just you saw, just clicked them all. I know. I saw like green and purple, and I'm like soap. Well, I would pick on you about when we really use these, but we've been reusing the same pumpkin hand soap dispenser for like two years that we just keep refilling. That pumpkin holds a lot. He is very plump. He holds <laughs> a lot, and and if you put dial orange in him, you're good. It to looks go. good. It looks good. Yeah. yeah. Can't go wrong with dial orange. Uh, So what are we talking about today, though, Rebecca? On today's show, we're counting down our personal favorite takes on the ranger archetype. I have four, 
Will has four. It's a top eight. Well, what is a ranger, Rebecca? So, okay, since, since you know I'm, I'm real big on your military history. What? Uh, it's a term that's in the military been in use since like the 1700s. Okay. Okay, it's, it's, so it's a term that we've known for a long time. So like re the revolutionary armies in America and stuff, they started that kind of unit? Yeah, we'll pre, say that's true. Predates the uh, American Revolution because actually the uh, all the land wars against the Indians, which I don't want to have to talk about, but you know all the mm -hmm. British-led land wars mm -hmm. in the colonies or whatever. Uh, I think ranger warfare was kind of popular. Well, I think it is interesting, and maybe we'll talk about it a little bit. But I, I maybe our military tends to I don't know borrow language and stuff obnoxiously from Native Americans. So this this I, unit type may have even borrowed from that. From what I have read on Wikipedia, that seems to be a uh -huh. bit true. Like, mm -hmm. you know, because it was like the, the frontier warfare is different from what the British troops would have known before. Right, it's about using your terrain and that sort of thing. Yes, and, and that okay. sort of thing. So okay. it, the, the term has evolved to be like light infantry that usually it's like special operations types um, very mobile, can be very yeah. stealthy. So t t today, that's kind of how we're using Okay, the so term. that's what a real ranger that's is. That's what a real ranger okay. is. Okay. So if we're thinking about, like, the archetype, like the character-based approach. That comes from... I like how you're just asking me because you're like, I did not copy and paste anything from Wikipedia. <laughs> okay, Rebecca, you tell us. You tell us. Okay, so that's where, like, the real ranger comes from. And I'm only mentioning the real ranger because a lot of my picks are more toward the real. Uh -huh. Although there's a lot of blending with the real and the fiction, as uh -huh. we'll get into in a second. And mine are not, so that'll work out great. Well, that'll right. work out great. It'll be very well balanced. But um, in, in the more fantasy sense. Mm-hmm. A ranger is um, based loosely on the archetype of, like, Robin Hood. Okay. Right? And the big ranger that we would think of, of course, is Aragorn from Lord of the Rings. Mm -hmm. And that is the character that Dungeons & Dragons modeled the ranger character, playable character, after, yeah, essentially. Yeah, he is definitely our template character. So if we were going to sort of paint the picture of that, I think we assume that that ranger has like a certain skill set and look. Like we know he's a good woodsman. Yeah. There's usually archery involved, some tracking. A lot like Boy Scouts. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> um, but here's where it's not like Boy Scouts. They usually have a really cool cloak, I think. Um, yeah, Boy so, Scouts do not get a cloak. No. Well, you get a kerchief. It's a very short cloak. <laughs> it's a very short, if sad If you were cloak. cool, you had a bolo tie. <laughs> it's a short, sad cloak and a bolo tie. And, and shorts. And they're drenched in brute cologne. <laughs> yeah. Uh, animal kinsmanship, I think. Oh, yeah, that'd be a thing. Or an um, innate knowledge of animals. Yeah, yeah. Like, kind of like vibing with the animals. Some extra awareness, I think, in the wilderness. Maybe some light magic in Dungeons and Dragons, I think. I can avoid being seen if I wish, but to disappear entirely, that is a rare gift. Yeah. And so, like, there are a lot of sort of crossovers between the two because a lot of, even if it's like an army ranger that we're talking about or an army type of ranger we're talking about in fiction, they often have these woodsman fantasy skills as well. Like, because yeah. there's almost something uh, magic about yeah. You know, like, oh, he's so good. He's so stealthy that it's magic. It's that kind of thing. It's, it's like the animal charm stuff and the uh, extrasensory abilities and stuff. Yeah, extrasensory. There you mm -hmm. go. There you go. That's like, that's almost science. Okay, so I'm going to throw one test at you. So we agree that just living in the woods is not enough. Just No, you're just, not a ranger. You're not well, a ranger. Not you if to, you're like a park ranger. You have to be good at the woods. Yeah. 
Okay. Well, I guess park rangers are good at the woods. I'm sorry, park rangers. <laughs> You're very good at the woods. You're I wasn't very even at... thinking. I don't know how I wasn't thinking about rangers being so closely tied to Boy Scouts. Now I'm going to have to completely rethink how I think about this now. Yeah, you were thinking it's all like the I'm, cool kind of I'm archery. I'm pretty much a ranger. I never thought about <laughs> it. So do you want to start us off with your first pick? You just want to roll into it? I guess so. There's no time like the present. Number eight. To the town of Alfrio rode a stranger one fine day. Hardly spoke to folks around him, didn't have too much to say. No one dared to ask his business, no one dared to make a slip. The stranger there among them had a big iron on his hip. Big iron on his hip. Starting off at number eight, I have kind of like a double pick. It's like a it's a mishmash together pick, and it'll make sense in a second. You're like, what? How is, can you do that? I'm thinking more about is this allowed, but proceed. <laughs> okay, you'll you'll know that it's allowed because okay, my pick is the Arizona Ranger in Marty Robbins' Big Iron. Okay, the song from 1959. Oh, that's a cool one. The yeah. reason why it's together is because this pick overlaps with your player character in Fallout New Vegas, because that's where you've heard that song uh-huh. before. And that game basically forces you to play as a ranger, yeah. essentially. And I'm mm-hmm. going to tell you why. I'm going to tell you why. But first, I'm just going to talk a little bit about how much I love Fallout New Vegas. There were rangers in that, right? Yes, the NCR rangers. Yeah, the they New had California, a great outfit. They, they, there was lots of good outfits in that game. <laughs> lots, of, lots, lots of good things going on in that game. All right, so... If you've never played anything from the Fallout franchise, why have you not? Because it's so good. This is a world where uh, instead of the Cold War just staying a Cold War, it got real hot. And in 2077, China dropped several bombs on presumably everyone, but definitely the U.S. and Uh definitely in a lot of places. Okay. And then so this is like 300 or so years after all that happened. And then there's different stories for different areas and timelines in the Fallout universe. All right. I love Fallout New Vegas. If you are a solo type player at all, you will probably really, really like this game. And the reason why I think that the game forces you to be a ranger character is because um, it's a game built around resource management, which is my favorite kind of game. Like Uh obviously you're (laughs) killing a lot of people too, but it's mostly resource management because you've got to live off the land And you've got to do things like save your bullets in the beginning of the game Mm because you don't get that many um, in the beginning of the game. And you got to, like, hit radiated cockroaches with crowbars and eat their meat to heal yourself. Well, if I remember, too, like, there's some modes where you literally are having to, like, eat and drink water at the right times. If you play hardcore mode, (laughs) you have to monitor your thirst and your starvation in the desert, which I love. And isn't there even, like, a a survivalist, like, character type or something? Yeah, you can really heavily focus on your provisioning skill, which I really, really, really enjoy. And then, like, like, like I said, early times in the game, you're trying to manage these resources very carefully, and you're literally creeping through towns and, like, healing yourself by drinking out of irradiated toilet bowls like mm-hmm. it's gross i you would think i'd hate it because it's gross but i really like it even though it's really gross and anyone who played the fallout franchise knows that the radio stations that you listen to on your pip boy are like a big highlight uh-huh more classics coming right up for you so stay tuned and they pick amazing music all the fallout games have like really good soundtracks and i like to just listen to them sometimes but um 
in New Vegas, you have Mojave Desert Radio and then Radio New Vegas. And one of the songs that comes up all the time is Marty Robbins' Big Iron. Mm-hmm. And um, it's a great gunfighter ballad about um, an outlaw named Texas Red. And he gets there's a, a very exciting gun duel between him and an Arizona Ranger who... who Spoiler alert for a song, <laughs> yeah, from, for a song from 1959, but who, who saves the day and, and kills the bad guy. And anyway, those two things are just completely intertwined in my memory. The playing of that song, just I don't, I don't even know what it is. I just love walking around that landscape, listening to those songs, and living my best ranger life. So if you're a ranger because you're a Boy Scout, then I am a ranger because... I was the messenger who got shot at the beginning of all <laughs> <laughs> well, the else I remember, In a pretend world. I remember about that game is you do a lot of drinking from uh, water fountains in old abandoned buildings, yeah. radiated water fountains. Also irradiated. So if you went to um, public school, you may also be a ranger. <laughs> yeah, no water bottles back in our day. They weren't like we your were children. very dehydrated in school. Probably. But every time you drank, you could drink for like 45 seconds while the teacher's like, hurry up. That's right. That's right. We got pressured not to get too much water. I remember that. I remember a coach being like, one Mississippi, two Mississippi. Like, come on. I need need water. I need to drink my irradiated water. Yeah. That's a good ranger skill. Don't succumb to the pressure. Get enough water. That's right. Rangers will tell you. You need to stay hydrated. Number seven. For my list, I thought it would be good to start with a really grounded pick. You know, sometimes my picks get a little fantastical, so I wanted to start with something we could relate to. So I was trying to think of a survivalist type of ranger. I wanted a cunning woodsman who has the skills and the wits to take down corrupt imperial agents when Uh-oh. they threaten his home. Uh-oh. I'm talking about Wicket, the Ewok from Return of the Jedi. <laughs> <laughs> for, a, for a second, I thought that we had picked the same one, but we definitely did not. We did not. <laughs> I, I well, rarely... this is a clever pick. All right. But I, I think you can already see how, how this is going to work. And I usually don't, um, I mean, I like Star Wars like everybody likes Star Wars. Uh, so, But I surprised myself that I, I was going to pick this because I usually don't have that much to say about it. Uh, but of the Star Wars movies, I really like Return of the Jedi a lot. I guess maybe because it looked the newest when I was a kid. I didn't have any history with it. You know, they come out a long time before it. It didn't matter to me. But I think Return of the Jedi was one of those movies that was kind of like Thunderdome, like we were talking about earlier, where it seems like two very different movies in yeah, one movie. like you're watching the wrong movie a little bit. Yeah, because you've got that great desert uh, thing with Jabba's palace at the beginning and Luke's got the black outfit and the green lightsaber and that's one movie and then you've got all the crazy stuff in the woods on indoor with the Ewoks which is kind of like when Mad Max has to go see all the children in the abandoned plane <laughs> it's kind of right. strange <laughs> I mean it feels kind of silly to give any background on Star Wars. It's like, <laughs> have you heard of yeah, it? Yeah, I'm not. It's like telling colonists about the Bible or something. I mean, it's it's in the water. There's this guy, Jesus. Is that how <laughs> yes. you? Am I saying it right? Now let me tell it. It's my turn to tell it. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but to paint a picture for our conversation, I'm sure you remember the Ewoks are the stout teddy bear-like creatures who live on the planet Endor. 
And when Darth Vader and the Empire try to take over their home world to set up some kind of like shield battery, I think, they help the rebels fight uh, by using terrain against the stormtroopers. And they've got like the swinging log traps and spears and bolas and stuff like that. I mean, they're like little Boy Scouts, I think. Little rotund ones. <laughs> the, the less coordinated, perhaps. <laughs> they're not going to do great on all your physical challenges, but your woodsmanship, they got all the patches. On my wilderness survival merit badge, I remembered our shelter collapsed on us, but we still got the badge. <laughs> it seems like that would disqualify you. He didn't die. <laughs> well, so- boys, that's the woods. She's a cruel mistress, as you can see. You learn, it's all right. So, I, uh, so Wicket is the friendly first Ewok that we meet, that Leia meets in the woods, and she befriends him by giving him some food and showing him her hat. And he was the one that was played by Warwick Davis. Okay. And I forget that. I forget how Warwick Davis was in literally everything. I know. This was pretty much like, I think his first thing. I think he was 11 at the time. Like his, his mom heard a cast call for it that they wanted um, short actors. And they thought it would be really cool to have even a short Ewok, even, even among the Ewoks. And he was so good at the body acting. Like he did all these cool, like head tilts and he was the only one who thought to like stick his tongue out of the mouth slit and everything that they decided to like elevate his part. Oh, okay. And now there he's, you go. and then he was like, especially like, like all through the night. Well, I guess he's always in every fantasy, everything. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. from that to Willow and uh, Harry Potter. Yeah. Do you, do you remember that great Carl Pilkington show we watched with I him? I do. I remember it fondly. <laughs> Remember it very fondly. They were such a funny pair together. And they had that great scene in the back of the car where Carl just started for no reason complaining about various fantasy movies and how dumb they were. And Warwick Davis just died laughing. And everyone he mentioned, he was like, I was in that. I was in that. I was in that. that." He says, well, but Harry Potter, he's like, I was in that one, Carl. Is great. that still like if you've not watched An Idiot Abroad is what it's is what the yeah. show's called. It was on Netflix. I don't know if it is anymore, but if you've not watched it, that's pretty funny. It was know. really funny. Yeah. Remember when he I think he like was visiting some Aztec ruins or something, and his wife calls him to complain about the radiator, and he's like, I met the wonder. I met one of the wonders of the world. I met the wonder. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like that one. Precious memories. <laughs> anyway. I think Wicket is like the quintessential woodsman. He lives in a secluded home. He has the wilderness awareness, uses terrain to his advantage. This is my normal pick. I'm very That's proud of it. That's your normal pick. <laughs> it, gets, it gets crazy from here, so <laughs> accept that. Uh. Number six. All right, coming in at number six, I've picked... Katniss Everdeen. Oh, yeah, comma, that's a good one. The Hunger Games saga. I volunteer as tribute. Let's have a big hand for our very first volunteer, Katniss Everdeen. Yeah, well, there's your bow and arrow. Well, there's your bow and arrow. So, first of all, we need some lady rangers who's not somebody's, like, D&D character that they drew say. some fan art of. It's like, she's... Wildly and stealthy with the bow, but she's still a lady. Look what? at her tight jerkin. <laughs> yes, her does her tight jerkin and her bodkin. Yes. Yeah. And just flared so you can see her shapely figure. Like, it's not like that. We need some that aren't Keep like Keep going. That. <laughs> You're like, you had me at bodkin. 
Oh my God. No, but okay. Backing up a little bit. So she fits the archetype for a few reasons and, and maybe not in every way, but we do need some, some good, first of all, modern representation yeah. on our list. Cause otherwise I feel like everything on our list will just be from 1987 and yeah. everybody be like, what the <laughs> hell is wrong with this right. podcast? Okay. So modern representation. And then also, you know, doing one for the girl power mm-hmm. block. Um, but also I, I think it's like not an annoying character like at all. Oh yeah. She's great. Yeah. She is great. I've not read the books and maybe I should actually, cause I, when I was reading a little bit about this so I could talk about it more intelligently, I was reading a lot of detail on the wiki that is like not present in the films. Uh-huh. And I'm like, Oh, that really rounds out the world of the films. You know, mm-hmm. did you know that in order to like, okay, the reason why all the kids are eligible to go to the Hunger Games is because they're receiving a ration of oil and flour or whatever from the government is contingent on their entering the games. Oh, or I like did, I entering did not know for that. a chance to be in the games. So it's like their lives are all on the line even before all of that happens. It's just details like that that they don't put in the movies. I actually think really interesting. But um, apparently, with Katniss, uh, her father, back when he was alive, He'd bring her out into the woods past District 12, where they were from. Uh, she was learning to hunt with a bow and arrow, how to forage for edible plants, and she's named after an edible plant. And he was always like, as long as you can find yourself, you'll never starve, which is a good thing for a for a wilderness dad to tell you. Yeah, that's the exact ranger set. I didn't even think about foraging, but you definitely have to know what mushrooms you can eat. And what mushrooms you can grind into a poison to put on your bow. Yeah, there you go. I mean, it's all that good stuff. (laughs) Let me see what kind of rangers we are. (laughs) I'm the helpful kind. (laughs) Will's like, I'm a wicket. I don't know what you are. (laughs) You are so not a wicket, Rebecca. (laughs) And although later in the films, of course, she becomes this symbol for the rebellion and then Mm -hmm. everyone loves her because... She is her own person, but blah, 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 blah. Um, essentially, she does survive because of her ranger skills. Okay. And thus, that is why she makes an appearance on this countdown. It's funny that a lot of the rangers in the stories have to move up in their profession. They have to come out of the woods at some point. Like, you got to graduate from ranger to king if you're Aragorn. And then... <laughs> you know, that's going to play into something that okay. I'm going to have to talk about in a Okay. Pick. And we should we should keep that we'll in table our that pockets. One. Keep it in our pockets about the ranger as the ultimate solo archetype person, what that means. Okay, cool. What does that mean? Okay. Number five. So it's all well and good to thrive in the forest and defend yourself from evil humans. But I think we can all agree the real test is dinosaurs. (laughs) (laughs) Told you it was not going to be grounded. (laughs) Let's talk about Turok, the dinosaur hunter. All right. I will now wait Hmm. for you, Rebecca, to Hmm. give us the background on Turok, the dinosaur (laughs) hunter. Well, in 1847, no, I don't know. I think most people our age, most boys our age, maybe that's not fair. A lot of people our age will know Turok from the popular video game franchise that began with Turok the Dinosaur Hunter, like in the late 90s for N64 and NPC. But Turok actually first appeared in comic books during the 50s, and then more recently in publishers like Valiant, Dark Horse, Dynamite. But his original backstory was he was a Native American, like we were talking about earlier, who got lost with his brother in a valley of dinosaurs, and they're trying to find their way out. Now, what year is it? 
in uh, like video game Turok time. In any Turok, in any Turok. Well, it's interesting time. you should ask that because after they get in the Lost Valley, it's a place outside of space and time where oh, okay. dinosaurs and sometimes aliens and demons uh, live. All right. And that's a great segue because in the video game they tweak it, and Turok is a title passed down to warriors every generation, and Turok is sworn to protect the barrier between. Earth and our space-time and the, and the lost is, land. Okay, and the barrier is crawling with and constantly breached by dinosaurs. Uh, yes, there's lots of dinosaurs and weird creatures and stuff. And there's also some evil mastermind trying to destroy the barrier and you're trying to kill his minions while trying not to get eaten by dinosaurs. Okay. So, I mean, Rebecca, could we... Would it, you think it would be possible, like Turok, to live with dinosaurs? Like, imagine you are back there, and you're a human. Like, do you just lay down and give up and wait for a dinosaur to eat you? Or could we eke this out? Well, I feel like dinosaurs weren't, like, aggressive, necessarily. They wouldn't be aggressive to you. they probably just ignore you. You They're think like, so? Like, why would you care? Well, I mean, but I mean what, why about would they the, care? what about the main ones? What, what like... I think that they're probably all fine. Like even ra the raptors and everything? They're just flying around. I'm worried about the flying ones. I'm like, Why? They got the whole sky Because you look in. like field mice to they them, got, well, I think. Yeah, and, and, and so you can just like hide under something. Because okay. you can definitely see them coming. They're not going to sneak up on you. So they're you are big. very optimistic about our chances. Yeah. I'll tell you the two dinosaurs I can't couldn't handle. I could not handle it. If I saw a big snake, a giant prehistoric snake. Well, yeah, that's just gross. That would make me throw up. I couldn't handle that. <laughs> if you saw one every day, you'd get used to it. And as we've discussed in previous episodes, no water dinosaurs. Off the table, we never go near the water. You got to just stay. Well, you probably shouldn't go in the standing water that they prefer. Okay. <laughs> Do you remember? No. There was a... You remember when Discovery Channel used to have these, like, <laughs> speculative science shows? And I was obsessed with the special they did where they had, like, fake prehistoric yes. animals. Yes, I do And there was an animal called a Sharkopath. Yes. I could not stop talking about that for, like, eight years. I know, and, like, I thought you had forgotten about it, and now you're still, <laughs> now, and here it comes again. I loved that one. And anyway. You love, of all of them, you loved Sharkopath? Yeah. Because that's the definitely most made It up made one. me laugh. It looked scary. It was just great. Anyway, I think this is all in the world of Turok. Uh, Turok is, like, the ultimate survivalist because not only is living in the wilderness hard, but... Sharing the wilderness with dinosaurs, that's just incredible. Number four. It's over, Johnny. It's over. Nothing is over. Nothing. You just don't turn it off. It wasn't my war. You asked me, I didn't ask you. My next pick. My next pick, which is more of a real one. <laughs> John Rambo. Yeah, that's a great one. First Blood Part 2, especially, but... but that's the one I like, too. I think that's a much uh, better example of a ranger. That's a great one. Well, yeah, that's him being his, his most ranger-esque, okay? Mm -hmm. John Rambo. See, and I can't... This is such a dude one, and I had I had to, like, remember facts about John Rambo <laughs> to do this, so I hope everyone appreciates how hard that was for me to think about Rambo. It doesn't come naturally. All right, so... um. The reason why I say First Blood Part 2 is that is the one where he 
is forced, I think, as a condition of his release from his crimes in the first film, yeah. to go back to Vietnam and look for American POWs. Yes. Okay, so this is where you see all of the John Rambo Ranger stuff, yeah. like the terrain solo fighter. I got to wind back a little bit. In the first one, it was basically just him having a one-man standoff against all of the <laughs> cops in it. In a town where um, it's a metaphor for how the establishment turns its back on people after they have used them up, etc. Yeah. Like about the plight of the American Vietnam soldier. And that's definitely a thing. And I don't even need to get into the whole U.S. interfering in other... I just... It's... It's a rich topic, and we don't have enough time. Yeah, we'll have to stick to the red headband and the abs and the machine guns for now. Right. I was going to say, <laughs> I'm already gray-headed enough. We don't need to just introduce more complications into this narrative right here. But the reason why I picked John Rambo is because I want to talk about why that solitary ranger appeals to everyone. Okay. That's what you were sort of hinting at before, right? Um, why is it that the idea of one figure who can just go and quietly take care of business, mm -hmm. why does that appeal to That's people? That's like a thing that makes you stand up and cheer in a theater. Yes. We, we love those stories. And as much as it's completely contrary to evidence, I feel that most Americans think that they're John Rambo. Yes. I was like, hey, he's just like me. He's doing the right thing that I That's think. what I would have done. That's what I would have done. Yeah. And especially, apparently, the most recent film that they made was real bad about yeah, that. Yeah, I couldn't, real even, bad about I couldn't that. even watch no, it. No, I'm not going to watch it. Yeah. I heard it sucked from enough people who yeah. I trust. So, But anyway, but like just getting past all of the facepalm elements of that, why is that? I mean, is it because innately we feel like we can't trust others to do teamwork with? And so we really <laughs> just want there to be that one guy who's going to go like, save us, Rambo. I'm going uh, to John Rambo my science lab. I don't have to use, have a lab partner. Exactly. You don't have to have that lab partner. You don't have to have that person in your work email chain who doesn't know how to rotate a PDF or how to make <laughs> a PDF out of a Microsoft Word document. Like, you just John Rambo, you just going to go take care of yeah. business. Choose PDF. PDF. <laughs> like save as Microsoft PDF. <laughs> what? Now I could take off my headband. <laughs> Where's my bandolier of bullets? <laughs> Let me reply all to this terrible email chain. But I wonder if that's an innate part of the archetype or if that came along later. Because Robin Hood, as we all know, is like maybe the first one that we're really thinking of in, in popular lore. Um, he had his band of merry men, right? Like he wasn't doing it all alone. Uh-huh. Aragorn, you know, there's the whole Fellowship of the Ring. Uh -huh. Even though the Fellowship was kind of, like, screwed up, the only thing that got the Ring to Mordor was, like, the dedication of one man, Samwise Gamgee, the real hero of Lord of the Rings. Um, but when did we become obsessed with the Solitary Ranger is kind of what I want to know. I don't know if there's a good answer to that, but definitely by the time John Rambo came around, <laughs> well, we were I, there. It's definitely, I mean... To some extent, I'm sure it's a universal theme, but it's definitely a uh, pronounced theme for Americans. You know how I was talking about pirates earlier. I mean, it's kind of... <laughs> Will just came out of nowhere and stealthily inserted pirates into this conversation. But you want to feel like you are not living at the mercy of other more powerful groups and people. But I think in America, there's also a strain of like self aggrandizement and like 
uh, selfish individualism at one real far end of the spectrum that you have to watch out for. But there's definitely something in there. You can be anywhere in that spectrum, but that definitely appeals to us for some reason. I was going to say, even if we don't enact it, we still see the appeal of it. You right. know, I love single player RPGs. I don't really care for MMOs. Right. Oh, or Batman's a great example. Like even the video games and stuff, the whole appeal of that is you've got a warehouse full of guys and Batman slowly goes and takes them all down. He's like an urban ranger, maybe. Oh, he is. You should put that on the counter. <laughs> Number three. Okay, here's one. I wonder if this is going to be our first pick that we both picked. Uh-oh, probably uh, not. And this is my first ranger that I think maybe looks like a ranger. We've got green forest outfit, little hat, bow and arrow, into traps and stuff. I'm talking about Robin Hood. Did you pick Robin Hood? I didn't pick him because he was just, you know. He was uh, arguably the template guy too. Um, well, yeah, but then I'm like the legend of him yeah, I see. more so. Is there a particular Robin Hood that you're that you're? Yes, um, and that's probably a good place to start. You know, there's been a heap of legends and tall tales about Robin Hood, all different too. Well, we folks of the animal kingdom have our own version. It's the story of what really happened in Sherwood Forest. I was really into a couple of the more modern Robin Hood stories, like the 1973 Disney film, especially. The animated one? Yeah, this is the one where he's the handsome fox, and there's right. lots of singing. <laughs> the one that furries like. <laughs> yes. And you, it's kind of funny because if you go back and look at it, they definitely draw him very handsome and made Marion or whatever very vixen-like. I can imagine her. I've not, I don't even know if I've seen that like right. in many, 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 many years. But yeah, no, I can bring her to mind. Yeah, like, you know, there's definitely a, a weirdly feminine yeah. lady figure underneath <laughs> that diaphanous <laughs> robe. Uh, I mean, I don't want to get off on a tangent about this movie, but I just have to say, like, the stuff I like about it. It's got those great buzzards who say it's four o'clock and all is well. I can just hear that as clear as a bell even now. And at the end, when I was a kid, you know how you don't even follow the story, but you remember weird pieces of things. I very much remember King Richard returning and saying, looks like I treaded an outlaw for an in-law. And then they all laugh. <laughs> I had no laugh. idea what that meant, but it rhymed. And I just, it just really stuck with me. It <laughs> made me laugh. And I don't even know the context. But also, I really love Kevin Costner's Prince of Thieves, Robin Hood. Yeah. Co-starring Morgan Freeman and Alan Rickman. And that one, I think you can honestly call him a ranger because they're setting up like those guerrilla tactics in the forest to stop the sheriff and help the poor folks and everything. And I don't have to have an anecdote for everything, but can I tell you about how much I loved Robin Hood? You should tell me about that. Okay. When, when I was, I want to say maybe... 10 or so I had this pretty tall tree fort behind the house and I had the great idea one day to put on my full Robin Hood costume from Halloween like hat tights tunic everything and then I also thought Robin Hood probably has a blue ninja dagger tied to a rope yes. and he would probably try to swing off of his tree fort onto a tree that he lassoed and so I climbed up this is like a I don't know like 11 or 12 feet up into this tree house and I had lassoed the branch and I was about to leap off of the tree fort. It was, was a very bad idea. Very confident in your ability. Yes. This I'm pretty sure Robin work. Hood did this. And uh, 
but then I backed up too far and I fell through the trap door in my tree house. Oh, because you were trying to get like a running start. Yes. You were like, I gotta, I gotta get gravity on my side. And I fell, which I guess is like 10 or 11 feet, and hit my head on the back of one of the uh, ladder boards and... I just, I, re- I don't remember too much about it, but I remember like we had a, like a whole popcorn bowl full of blood from like staunching things coming out of my head. And when I have to go get a haircut now, I have to warn them about there's some crazy stuff back there because I busted my yeah, head. Yeah, you up do and, still have you have a scar on the yeah. back of your head, which yeah. is kind of hilarious. So I could never wear my Robin Hood blood costume again, which was very <laughs> sad. But I loved it, and I think maybe I was combining him with. Link from Zelda in my head or something like his grappling hook. So well, you could see the confusion. Yeah, they, they look. Uh, it's the little hat and the green tunic. Yeah. You know, it's it's a great it's a great look for being in the woods. A green tunic is what you what you're gonna need. Yeah, when you're repelling from trees with the rope that works so okay. I kind of have a blood tie to Robin Hood, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder, had you not misjudged when you were preparing and actually made the swing, it probably would have worked just fine. I don't know because the rope was actually some blue yarn. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just remembering now that you said that. I completely forgot, but it was some like very dry, brittle blue yarn. Where were your parents? Inside. (laughs) And then I remember after I hit the ground and I was trying to crawl to the house and all the wind had been knocked out of me, uh, I was trying to talk. And then my sister, who was like, I don't know, four at the time, thought I was pretending to be a cow, and she was, like, laughing riotously. And so it was just a nightmare. So it's a good thing I didn't ever swing off the edge, I guess. I guess we'll never know. Yes. Tales of Robin Hood. Apocrypha from Robin Hood. As Robin Hood, colon, too hot for TV. (laughs) Robin Hood and Little John walking through the forest, laughing back and forth at what the other has to say. Okay, we all know how much I love it when Will makes a pick from history, from actual history, but today I'm doing that, so now I don't get to make fun of you anymore. Okay. My pick is someone that you may not have heard of, because I'm not really sure that I had. We'll see. Okay, coming in at number two, I've got Bass Reeves. Arkansas has a local hero who was second to none during the frontier era of American history. Hundreds of people, politicians, historians, and even 4029's Angela Taylor came out to Pendergraft Park to celebrate the unveiling of the Bass Reeves Monument. You've heard the name, right? Okay, so he was the first black U.S. Marshal Deputy West of the Mississippi. Oh, cool. All right, he's a real dude. Okay, real dude. Is he what the Fallout guy is based on in the casino? We can move on. <laughs> I, was trying, I was trying to think of like who that who that might. I don't think. So. I don't okay. possibly. Okay. I'm not sure, but one of his biographers theorizes that the Lone Ranger was actually based off of him. Oh, interesting. Or could have been based off of okay. him. Okay. Uh, which we should have mentioned the Lone Ranger, but I didn't want to because I didn't want to give away Bass Reeves. Okay? okay. A real a real man from history. Okay. He was born into slavery, and at the time of the Civil War. He was forced to go with his like young 
the young son of the plantation owner who was fighting for the Confederacy. Bass okay. Reeves had to go with him as like his freaking personal manservant on the batter- battlefield. Don't think too hard about how weird that is. Uh-huh. He escaped um, <laughs> to Indian Territory, at which is Oklahoma, present-day Oklahoma. Okay. And at that time, of course, this is all a lawless land in the frontier. And because he was, he had gotten away... He was able to like make a name for himself doing ranger stuff. Oh, cool! So you know he uh, did a lot of interacting with the Indian tribes, the I think the Seminoles and the Creek okay. Indians. Uh, he was very adept at guns and tracking, and all your good Wild West skills. Okay. Now, um, by the time the 1870s came around, he had made such a name for himself in the region that when they were appointing U.S. Marshal deputies to start taming these wild wild territories mm-hmm. he was the first black man west of the mississippi who was chosen for this for this title and um as a deputy marshal he was said to have arrested more than 3000 people and killed 14 outlaws all without sustaining a single gun wound all right that's so hilarious. he's bad he's like really awesome that's like batman stuff like that's where it gets like funny it was like oh crap here he is yeah, We're oh crap, here he is, because the legend, like, the, the you can't even write a good legend about it because the reality just seems like it was so bananas. Yeah. Okay, so first of all, imagine this is a video game, because it would be like Red Dead Redemption meets Assassin's Creed, because you could, like, play as Bass Reeves. Imagine this. Okay. He was really into, like, creative ways to apprehend criminals. <laughs> it so, wasn't hard enough. He had to make it harder. Yeah, so he would, like, disguise himself or, like, make a backstory for himself in order to get the jump on his targets. So in one instance, he walked nearly 30 miles dressed as a beggar on the run from authority. And then when he arrived to the home of his targets, uh, which was two brothers, the mother was like, won't you come stay the night, you poor beggar? And he's like, okay, like rub his hands together. And then in the guise of the beggar, took the brothers in because they were just like hanging out in the house like near do wells And he was like fully in stealth mode, right? So he's got ranger skills. Mm And he apprehended them, and then he made them walk the entire way back to his camp, which is 30 miles. He just basically pointed, like, oh walked them back. God. So that is just like, imagine Assassin's Creed, where that's a quest. How fun would that be? That would be funny. I say Assassin's Creed, but without the whole thing, like, oh, my cover's been blown, because your cover's been blown, and you just get to, like, frog walk them, frog march them back <laughs> all the way to the camp. And then also, no judgment against Red Dead Redemption, but I could not play it. Mm-hmm. Because it's too cinematic for me, and it's too on the rails, and then the second was too buggy. I was trying to play the second one. And I also had a really hard time whenever they would show me, like, a cinematic at the beginning of the game, and it'd show all these dudes, and I'm like, which one am I? Yeah, I had a lot of trouble identifying with the dudes, too. It's like, they keep calling me Arthur. Which one's Arthur? Which one? Am I that guy? Uh I don't know. They're all wearing denim shirts, and they all look... I do not know who Arthur is, and I don't care. Well, one thing they did improve that we used to make fun of... I don't know. I kind of missed it, though. On the first one, you know, he's supposed to be a real stoic cowboy, but every time you get on a horse... the main guy cannot shut up. He's like, one thing about me is I don't say too much. And one other thing they say about me is you can't get me to say more than two words. <laughs> and another thing about me is I'm a man of few words, but here's a deep, dark secret about my past. I'm going <laughs> to sparingly toss out to you on the back of this horse. Like, yeah, that's Don't ridiculous. be insulted if I'm a man of few words on the way to this here town. <laughs> 
<laughs> that game was very much like that. Lindsay, you're close because I speak quietly at a whisper. And I mean, and so just imagine how cool it would be if they made like Red Dead Redemption colon Bass Reeves. That would be awesome. That would be like an be? awesome expansion. It would be. And you won't be surprised to know that they're making a movie about him okay. like right now. And, you know, hopefully it'll be good because he's a real American hero. Yeah. He Where, sounds like an Old West Batman. He was. And, you know, he should be celebrated as, as a ranger. The dedication featured appearances by Reeves' own descendants, and there were tributes to Reeves through song. The legend of Bass Reeves. Now, before we name our top ranger, we feel compelled to list some honorable mentions. Honorable mentions. Well. All right. My first honorable mention. Uh-oh. It, you, the way that you say that is like makes me feel like it's going to be a well, really Well, I do like to get them in fast when I know <laughs> I'm going to get a lot of pushback on it. But I'm just going to say it is um, Monterey Jack from Rescue Rangers. Well, it's in, in the title. I was kind of hoping someone would pick Chippendale Rescue Rangers. And they're real ones because he's a mouse. He's definitely living in the wilderness on his wits, right? They, li- they work in a <laughs> tree. <laughs> okay. No, that's completely legit. Yeah, you have to say it. Uh, Power Rangers. Testing, testing, just testing. Uh, I don't care for the Power Rangers, okay. but that's another story. Nolan Ryan, who was a Texas Ranger. <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> testing, just N-O, testing, N-O. testing, N-O. testing. Uh, you, may, you may as well just say Night Ranger and say just because they give such <laughs> awesome tunes and they have a great logo. Walker, Texas Ranger? He does. He is a oh, ranger. Oh, okay, okay. He is a classic ranger. No, he, right. sh- he could have been on the countdown. All right, and, and then I had Lone Ranger. Okay, right. And we, we I guess I just thought him. of things with Ranger. Well, that's a good start. That's a good way to do it. Okay. But no, um, the Bass Reeves biographer swears that, you know, he could have been the inspiration for the Lone Ranger or, you know, one of them. It is a fictional story. Mm -hmm. But yes, the Lone Ranger. To that, I add, I just, I can't even believe, like, superhero people are going to be so upset that we aren't actually honoring them. But uh, Green Arrow. Oh, yeah. Because he was trained in, like, wood skills on an island by his daddy. Like yeah. Katniss just was, you know. And then also he's got a son, the Red Arrow, also learned, you know, the same. Yeah. Yeah. He learned a lot about drugs, too. Well, okay, we all did, but he was all... We, right. He's in, it's like, mushrooms are okay, but... <laughs> Anything you can grow, how could it be bad? Right, right. It grows in nature. We's intended to eat it. Okay, Green Arrow, we're not going to publish that one. <laughs> and then Galaxy Rangers. Yeah, that was a good. That was really. That was good a, I, I want to talk about them more. I talk about westerns all the time, though, so I gotta stop. I made myself. Yes, I want to talk about. We'll talk about. We'll talk about westerns. We'll talk about one. westerns more. So, well, who's your number one ranger of all time? Number one. I've sparred with demons from the Nine Hells themselves. I shall barely break a sweat here today. Tis your lives to waste. All this chatter is fine, but I have places I'd rather be. I am a gentleman at heart, at least while I'm not slaughtering the stupid. Well, you know, sometimes I did not accidentally get dirty romance books when I was getting fantasy novels when I was a kid. Didn't you? Sometimes I got real ones. And I'm just going to go ahead and tell you, I didn't... Remind myself, I didn't look any of this up, so you're going to be really impressed or think I'm crazy. But my pick, I think, is like the modern ideal ranger, and this is Drist Duerden, 
from Dungeons and Dragons novels, especially the Dark Elf trilogy that introduced him. Yes. <laughs> Rebecca's like, yes, I'm sure, because they're <laughs> prominent on our bookshelves. No, and, I, know, I, know, yeah. I know about him. He was in a comic book that I read. <laughs> that's true. Did you know that he faced prejudice because he was a dark elf? I did know that. Well, I that's what that. I learned from the comic book I read. I got it for Christmas. Well, before nerd stuff was cool, Dungeons & Dragons had that dorky reputation, but that's only because people didn't know about stuff like this. Like, Drist is very cool, but he's almost too cool. He's almost like Poochie levels from The Simpsons. And so let me first say, yes, there is a lot of depth to him, but on paper, it's very funny. It's like a kid just came up with him. So I'm going to tell you some facts about Drist, okay? He's six foot three and he's the president. <laughs> yes. And I'm the president. <laughs> yeah. So he's not just an elf. He's a dark elf, which is way cooler. He's the only one who's ever lived above ground. He has two magic swords and they're scimitars. He has thick flowing white hair. He has a statue that allows him to summon a magical familiar, which is a great panther named Guinwar. <laughs> he has a dwarf best friend, and his best friend's sister is in love with him. Well, that can't end well. <laughs> Does it end well? Um, actually, I don't think so. I mean, okay. you know, you appreciate the beautiful moments of your lives, but tragedy seems to follow Drist, if I remember correctly. I mean, if it's your best friend's sister, it's your best friend. You gotta I just, know the just, Wallflower song. <laughs> Don't poke Drist. It is entirely unsociable. Anyway, so tragic. He, tragedy follows him. That's very, yes. sad. very so, sad. So here's how he's a ranger. Back in the 90s, the Dark Elves, or Drow, were evil, so he wants to leave home, but he's not accepted when he comes topside which means he has to learn how to survive on his own under the sun. But because of his animal kinsmanship and his territorial awareness and light magic, uh, it's essentially the ranger build. And he's, I, I think, kind of like the, the templated one. But it is kind of funny that he has all these ridiculous skills and very specific attributes that don't quite line up with, like, the Aragorn template. But I think it's because in Dungeons and Dragons, the legendary characters are more aspirational or godlike. They're like the apogee of the character class. Sure. And so like the Harpers and certain wizards from the novels and stuff. But I wanted to mention him because the Drist books were the first books that really got me reading. Like I would go into our local bookstore because we didn't have... <laughs> proper stores and I would they would let me use the microfiche to look at the next Drist books and place the little order with the bookstore clerk and I was real proud of doing that and I would keep getting well, all yeah, the different ones like, and that's how I accident cool. yeah and that's how I accidentally got some romance books but as we discussed I learned a lot <laughs> <laughs> but these were great this was like it had like all these great house politics like Game of Thrones and Demon Lust and surviving on his own with creepy bugs and the Underdark and stuff. And I think he makes an appearance in the Baldur's Gate game. But anyway, he's, I think, the perfect ranger, and he's my favorite. Very fond feelings for Drist. A distinguished man at the top of a distinguished list. Okay, so once again, an incredible list. <laughs> uh, I like how weird it was. Look, I, it was a very good it's list. It's going to be weird. Look, I like seeing it on paper. When we do a list, it's going to be weird. They're all going to be deep cuts of a kind. It's weird. I like the theme you pointed out about 
our infatuation with the one man taking care of business that one man should not be able to. I definitely think there's something there. And I really, of course, we really both love the opposite of that, which is like, why can't we just be working in Starfleet? Like, why can't we just be part of a collective, like with collective goals that you're proud to do teamwork with and people that you like being around and consider important in all their ways, but that ain't reality. Maybe we just like capability. And so we move from one end of the spectrum of the other, just something to get something done because we're so tired of not being able to get anything done. So either one man can do it all or we can actually work together. But what we're doing is not working. (laughs) (laughs) This is the worst of both worlds. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Well, if you have thoughts about our Ranger list or previous lists or your own suggestions for our lists, you can email us at rumors at thewizardsnightshirt.com or hit us up on social media. We might share some of your thoughts on the next episode. And really do that. We, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about it. And Rebecca, where can people follow us online? You can find us on Twitter or Instagram. Or you can visit thewizardsnightshirt.com to find out about this show and our other shows, like Curdle Holler, our original Halloween comedy series, as well as a complete archive of our Masters of the Universe review show. Or join me Wednesdays at 3.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time at twitch.tv slash keengarity, where I stream about music production. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week when we call forth new champions. The legends they tell of a hero Facing down fears and cutting down foes There's no resemblance to what you know Feel humble